Hi, you're listening to the Abundant Encounters podcast, and this is Mary Marsingill. We're so honored to have you. And just quickly, before we get started, I wanted to remind you to rate this podcast and give positive reviews anywhere you're listening, Apple, Google, and others. Just talk about what you're experiencing, or especially any encounters that you felt like you had during an episode. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could take five seconds right now to pray for our podcast and ministry to succeed. Five seconds might not sound like much, but we believe that our collective prayers will make a massive difference and protect and prosper these ministries' efforts to glorify and exalt Jesus. Our hope is simple, that people have real encounters with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Please join us now for just five seconds to pray. Thank you so much. Here's Josh. Hi, welcome to a new episode of the Abundant Encounters podcast. My name is Joshua Marsingill. I'm excited to be here with you. This is an honor to be able to serve you in this way. Um, today is going to be a, a big podcast because we're reading in the amazing Romans 8, and we're not reading from just any translation, but we're reading from the Mira Bible. Um, so put your seatbelt on kind of thing. This is going to be good. And, um, and so I would love to just pray and let's just jump right in. Lord Jesus, come. Come, 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 rescue your bride, restore, adorn her in every way, shape, and form. She's ready. She's so hungry for you. We are. We are so hungry for you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. As the song says, Lord, as the revelation says, come, Lord. Open up the sky. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We bind up anything, anything that's not with Jesus right now, in Jesus' name, any distraction, just cancel it out, remove it in the name of Jesus Christ right now. We command you to be removed right now. Go. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and fill that space. Healing, come. Healing can come now. Healing come now. Pain go. Jesus name. Bodies be healed. In Jesus name. You know, go ahead and check that. That'll be a little act of faith. If there's some pain or something that was in your body, maybe you had a headache or just some kind of pain in your kneecap is what I'm seeing, then um, check that out and see if it's still there. That's an encounter. If you, if you get healed, that's an awesome encounter. So thank you, Lord. You know, we read because we are engaging in what scripture says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's two things. Your ears open up to hear, 
your faith increases. And then we apply that to um, a little encounter exercise. There's some teaching usually. And, um, and then we walk right into that. And um, we believe that this mixture is just such a good way to practice, kind of meditate on God's Word and um, connect with Him. That's what it's really about, just connecting. Connecting and discovering and learning our true selves. Alright, without further delay, we're going to get into the reading. Romans 8 from the Mira Bible. Now the decisive conclusion is this. In Christ, every bit of condemning evidence against us is cancelled. The law of the Spirit is the liberating force of life in Christ. This leaves me with no further obligation to the law of sin and death. Spirit has superseded the sin-enslaved senses as the principal law of our lives. The law failed to be anything more than an instructional manual. It had no power to deliver us from the strong influence of sin holding us hostage in our own bodies. God disguised himself and his son in this very domain where sin ruled us in flesh. The body he'd lived and conquered in was no different to ours. Thus, sin's authority in the human body was condemned. The very righteousness promoted by the law is now realized in us. Our practical day-to-day -day life bears witness to spirit inspiration and not flesh domination. Since symptoms are sponsored by the senses, a mind dominated by the sensual, thoughts betray source Spirit life attracts spirit thoughts. Thinking patterns are formed by reference, either the sensual appetites of the flesh and spiritual death, or zoe life and total tranquility flowing from a mind addicted to spirit realities. A mind focused on flesh is distracted from God with no inclination to his life laws. Flesh and spirit are opposing forces. It is impossible for those immersed in flesh to at the same time accommodate themselves to the opinion, desire, and interest of God. But you are not ruled by flesh consciousness, but by spirit consciousness, since God's spirit is permanently at home in you. Anyone who does not embrace the at-homeness of the Spirit of Christ cannot be themselves. The revelation of Christ in you declares that your body is as good as dead to sin's demands. Sin cannot find any expression in a corpse. You co-died together with him, yet your spirit is alive because of what righteousness reveals. Our union with Christ further reveals that because the same Spirit who awakened the body of Jesus from the dead inhabits us, we equally participate in his resurrection. In this act of authority whereby God raised Jesus from the dead, he co-restores your body to life by his indwelling Spirit. 
we owe flesh nothing. In the light of all this, to now continue to live under the sinful influences of the senses is to reinstate the dominion of spiritual death. Instead, we are indebted to now exhibit the highest expression of life inspired by the Spirit. This life demonstrates zero tolerance to the habits and sinful patterns of the flesh. The original life of the Father revealed in His Son is the life the Spirit now conducts within us. Slavery is such a poor substitute for sonship. They are opposites. The one leads forcefully through fear while sonship responds fondly to Abba, Father. We are not slaves to a cruel taskmaster, but gifted with the spirit of sonship, engaging the tender affection of Papa without any reserve. Holy Spirit personally entwines our spirit, resonating ceaselessly within, endorsing Abba's parenthood. The fact that we are God's offspring certainly also means that we are equal heirs of God. Not only is God our portion, but we are His. We are co-heirs in Christ. So whatever we may suffer at any time could never separate us from our inclusion in His sufferings. Thus every reminder of this mystery also reinforces the fact that we have been made equal participants in the glory of his resurrection. Thus, my most logical conclusion is this. He has taken the sting out of our suffering. What seems burdensome at the time becomes insignificant in comparison to the glory which is about to be fully uncovered in us. This reflects the deepest longing of every created being, the one event which captivates their attention. Picture creation standing on tiptoe with held breath, as it were, to mirror witness for themselves the unveiling of the sons of God. Can you hear the drum roll? Every creature became subject to a frustrating life of vanity and futility because of a lost identity. Creation involuntarily fell prey to a mindset imposed upon everyone. Yet within this dark setting, hope prevails. With eager expectation, every creature yearns to be released from its slavery to this wearisome, perishable existence, trapped within a fragile time frame of fading glory into the glorious freedom of discovering their true sonship. They are indeed children and not mere creatures of God. We sense a global groaning of birth pangs witnessed throughout history until this very moment, the world is pregnant with expectation. We ourselves echo their groanings within us, while we are ready to embrace the original blueprint also of our physical stature to the full consequence of sonship. What we already now participate in as first fruits of the spirit will bloom into a full 
gathering of the harvest. For what we already experience confirms our hope and continues to fuel our expectation for what we still cannot see. In the final visible completeness of the harvest, hope has fulfilled its function. In the meantime, our expectation takes us beyond visual confirmation into a place of patient contentment. Likewise, the spirit also sighs within us with words too deep for articulation and mirrors our prayers when we struggle to find words. When we're not sure how to pray properly, Holy Spirit supersedes our clumsy efforts and hits bullseye every time. He who has always known us mirrors the mind of the Spirit within us and brings our conversation back to the point. Meanwhile, we know that the love of God causes everything to mutually contribute to our advantage. His master plan is announced in our authentic identity. He has always known us face to face and engineered us upon the mirror horizon of his faith to be jointly fashioned in the same mold and image of his son. We see the authentic pattern of our lives preserved in the incarnate one. He is the firstborn from the same womb that reveals our Genesis. Jesus reveals that we pre-existed in God. He defined us. He rendered us innocent and also adorned us with splendor and esteem. All these things point to one conclusion. God is for us. Who can prevail against us? The gift of his son is the irrefutable evidence of God's heart towards us. He held nothing in reserve, but freely gave everything we could ever wish to have. This is what our joint sonship is all about. God has identified us. Who can disqualify us? His word is our origin. No one can point a finger. He declared us innocent. What further ground can there possibly be to condemn mankind? In his death, he faced our judgment. In his resurrection, he reveals our righteousness. The implications cannot be undone. He now occupies the highest seat of authority as the executive of our redemption in the throne room of God. What will it take to distance us from the love of Christ? You name any potential calamity, intense pressure of the worst possible kind, claustrophobia, persecution, destitution, loneliness, extreme exposure, life-threatening danger, or war? Let me quote scripture to remind you. Because of our association with you, we were reckoned as sheep to be slaughtered. We have been jointly slain on that day. On the contrary, in the thick of these things, our triumph remains beyond dispute. His love has placed us above the reach of any onslaught. This is my conviction. No threat, whether it be in death or life, be it celestial messengers, demon powers, or political principalities, 
nothing known to us at this time or even in the unknown future. No dimension of any calculation in time or space, nor any device yet to be invented, has what it takes to separate us from the love of God, unveiled in our Lord Jesus Christ. It seems to me that grace has the power to do it all. So much of what I've experienced in Christianity is this idea that we have to wait so long for grace to do its work. And um, some, some really cross the line. They want to mix law and grace. And they say, well, you know, it's really about what you can do to overcome, you know, your addictions or those difficult emotions and things that you might have. And so unfair. What Jesus has done is so much greater than that. Grace is the thing that brings truth. It does not just provide a license for chaos. Grace is a person and his name is Jesus. The authentic faith is a relational one. And there's no amount of external effort that can get us to a place where we begin to shine like Jesus did from the inside. Jesus inspires us from the inside. He puts a light on the inside. And we know when it's happened because nothing in this world, nothing, not principalities, not technologies that haven't been invented, nothing can put that light out because it's shining from the inside. I'm kind of stealing that idea from uh, a song from Stephanie Gretzinger. Um, I can't remember the song, I apologize. But um, there's, the light is shining from the inside. And um, so no one can turn that out. This thing that God is doing in us is not about what we can do. And I have no but statements or wait statements or hold on a second. This is this is what Romans 8 is explaining to us. That it doesn't matter how confused we are. The reality is we are seated in heavenly places. We have received what Jesus paid for us to be able to receive. Jesus gave us the full example. He was 100% man, 100% God. But what he did on this earth was to show us what we can do. And then, you know, we get to do what Jesus did, but we get to do it in community with others who are doing the same. That's greater things. And, you know, God loves the process. 
He really does. This isn't a but statement, but he does. He loves the process. He loves watching us grow. But clearly what he wants us to not get stuck with is this idea that our innocence hasn't been completely restored already. We may not feel it. And we may be working and trying to understand and growing into who we are. And that is all welcomed. There's no rush in that. God's not, not in a hurry for that. What God knows is that any place where there is missing experiences, missing um, time, where we've pretended or we've become a false us, He can restore it. What happens is that when we become, when we begin to fake it until we make it kind of thing, we, uh, maybe, you know, 12 years old, we have a tragic trauma that happens in our life and because of that we have to become an adult. And um, we become a an adult in the best way we know how, and but it's not real, it's not us. That uh, child didn't continue to develop. And the truth is, even though years have gone by, you know, maybe this person's in their 30s or 40s, you know, and um, they really haven't developed that true self since they were 12. And you think, man, what a loss of time. But all that is needed is grace and the understanding of grace. Once the the false self is put off, the true self identified and embraced, then not only will the child, the 12-year-old, begin to grow where it wasn't even able to before, and you know every growth program that the false self tried to put on was just a way to you know kind of go through time without accomplishing much. You know, it's not that anything's wasted because God's better than that. He knows how to get us ready for what we're coming into. Anyways, nothing gets you ready is something Paul Memorin lovingly says so awesomely. Uh, he's amazing. Um, it's not a stunting like uh, that happens. God has the people. He can build the relationships. The and he can bring people around that will help in those areas that just haven't grown. This is what intimacy can do for us. It reveals the true self, the one underneath the surface. I'm reading a book from Henry Cloud called Changes That Heal. And um, there's one little idea in there that I just 
that really grabbed my attention. And um, it's just a really simple way of identifying things for like counselors, I guess, or people that are trying to identify when did things happen? Um, when did, did the person begin to stop um, developing and growing? And um, for example, trust issues begin for most people in, in, when they're in their infancy. And so uh, they're a baby. And I, I have a personal example for that. Um, but another example, sometimes if we have trouble setting boundaries, we have issues with that. That happens in our toddlerhood. Um, forgiveness issues, if it's just hard for us to forgive, a lot of times those things happen somewhere in our young childhood. Um, and then role issues, like if we are struggling with identity um, or like our position or we're just not wanting to commit to uh, calling in life and those those kind of things or even uh, gender uh, issues or that we just feel uncomfortable in our skin. These things often happen within the later childhood. And then separation issues. Maybe we've experienced codependence or we've just had a hard time, um, you know, like committing to things or um, all those kind of things. These often happen when we stop growing as adolescents. So much is going on in those first few years of our life in the way of how we handle things. And if there's something that we've identified that really isn't helpful to us, we want to look at it deeper. Sometimes we can ask, like, wow, I have a trust issue. Like, Lord, can you show me where I picked this up? Then I'll give you that example. When I was, um, I was actually having an inner healing session with a professional because it's good for me to do that as well. And I uh, definitely need them. Uh, my friend often says, you know, I've had so much inner healing that I have shame from all the inner healing that I've had. Uh, but it's a good practice and um, I use these tools on myself as well. But um, I was in a session and I was feeling like um, I couldn't get at the issue. And I remember being discouraged and feeling like I, I just don't know what it is, uh, but I cannot. And in my, in my personal uh, problem, which I don't mind sharing, I was really dealing with rejection and uh, I was overreacting and feeling rejected more often than I was actually being rejected. And so I was asking for help with that, but um, but I couldn't figure out, and the sozo didn't feel, I wasn't feeling like I was connecting. And all of a sudden I had this vision, and I mean, I almost went into a full-on trance that took me out of that room with this person in that moment. And um, I was looking at uh, what felt like a memory of myself as a baby. And, and as a baby, I was, um, I was eating, it looked like uh, Cheerios somehow or something like that. And, um, and I looked over and my mom and my dad are fighting in this like yellow kitchen. Um, and, and I noticed they were fighting 
and I dropped some Cheerios on the floor and I, I began crying. And I, and I was crying and I was crying and I was crying and they just kept fighting and um, not intentionally but they were just so concentrated in their uh, fight that they just were not paying attention to me. And so I'm watching myself cry and all of a sudden I stopped crying and, um, and I felt what I felt when I was there as a kid in this in this experience and and it was like I just didn't feel like I was important enough for them to stop doing what they were doing and so I stopped crying and you know I'm not sure how true that was but I was an extremely quiet child I didn't talk until I was um, uh, like three years old um, and I came up with a language that my brother could interpret, things like that. So there was uh, definitely something that happened that in my early, early, early uh, experience in this world that, that prevented me from feeling like there was a real need for me to connect because I felt like I, I would just be rejected. And um, so when I went back there and I had this vision, I explained it to the, the person that was in the room, the inner healing person, and, and they invited me to go back there and ask where Jesus was. And of course, Jesus had, he was there. He loves showing up in these kind of memories, and we'll walk you through that in just a, just a moment, but he loves walking through these memories. I, it's so amazing how frequently I, um, I just see this work. I've, I've actually never seen it not work. But when, what they had me do is they had me remember the uh, the time, the memory that had come up then, and just kind of put myself back there. Ask Jesus, Jesus, where are you? Can you reveal yourself to me? And um, and I remember him being there and getting my attention. He was kind of everywhere. And he was in front of my my mother and father, and and uh, he he was attention was full on me. So there was this restoration that took place, and uh, from there I began to realize that I was very very much accepted, like so much so that Jesus would step outside of time, go into this moment, and just be who he is to me right then and there and and from that point on what had been stolen through this moment was being restored to me and what it felt like was that so much was being taken off of me and uh, so these are profound and powerful experiences and what they do is they invite us um, you know yes it's it can be hard to kind of go back to difficult experiences in our past, especially if they're very painful, um, like uh, in the case of like a rape or something very traumatic, like a loved one passing away or something. It's so hard to go back into these places, but when we do, what's waiting for us in those places sometimes is the true us. The one that can say and can admit, like I began to be able to do, that I am 
afraid I will not be accepted. And that's why I'm pulling away from this relationship or this relationship. I had to grow, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't be true to myself. And I couldn't find my true self. So, so if something in this list really stood out to you, then what I want you to do is I want you to ask Jesus. So maybe it's a trust issue like mine, or it's a boundary setting thing where it's just you're not very good at creating boundaries, or uh, maybe it's a forgiveness issue, you're just really having a hard time forgiving. And um, maybe it's a role issue and you just have some identity challenges that you don't feel comfortable in your own skin in however many different ways, or it's a separation issue kind of thing. And not only do you not feel connected, but you don't feel like you can't connect. If any of those things stand out to you, then ask Jesus right now. And we'll just begin this exercise now. Uh, and it's always helpful to just kind of center your thoughts and mind around Jesus. Take a moment now. Focus on his face. His face is this amazing thing, you know. Obviously it's his face, but it's also this like almost helpful tool that helps cleanse our thoughts and helps us focus. Look into his eyes. It says he has flames of fire, you know. There's passion in there, there's kindness, there's joy. He paid it all to have you look into his face. He wants you to know him. And um, if it's a trust thing or a boundary thing or a forgiveness thing or a role thing or a separation thing, just begin to ask and say, Jesus, where did I pick this up? There's three things that could be going on here. And I believe Jesus will make these clear to you. Um, you could be, it could be a place where you began to believe a lie. And in that case, you're going to want to ask Jesus for the truth and exchange that lie for the truth about it. And it could also be a place where you uh, 
just had a traumatic experience. And um, in that case, there may be some forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive yourself, forgive others. During the forgiveness, make sure you forgive, release, and bless. Forgive, release, and bless. And that will help get forgiveness from your head to your heart. And then the other thing, it could just be a, a memory that, that Jesus is showing you. And that's kind of what I wanted to focus on because that's what I was sharing in my testimony. So if, if you really were able to identify a memory, like God just showed you something, then, um, then let's take some time and ask Jesus to come into that memory. You can ask him, Jesus, show me where you were. Not just a fun tip, but he's often behind you, or he can be behind you. Begin to look around. Ask him, is there a lie I began to believe here? Pay attention to what he's doing or the way he looks. Um, the softness of his face, anything like that is going to be helpful to understand. If he shared a lie with you, you're going to want to give that lie to him and ask him for something in exchange. What's the truth? And here's how you'll do that. You'll just renounce the lie. I renounce the lie that... And then you'll declare the truth that Jesus gives you. Sometimes these can be scripture. Maybe it's something you just heard from Romans 8 here. To renounce the lie. Declare the truth. Now depending on where or what was going on you may need to forgive some family members and maybe you've never even really felt like they were the ones that were at fault or anything like that this isn't about making excuses for them or like sorting out the way you've judged them if you have judged them you're just going to want to release that as well and forgive them any way that you've decided on who you felt like they would always be, just release that to Jesus. Release this person to Jesus. Ask God for forgiveness if you need to. If it's hard to forgive, then remember Jesus. 
remember the crowd yelling crucify him remember how he forgave all of them just to help you know that's it's supposed to be a gift it's supposed to be something that we can take from forgive release and bless and a lot of times you may need to forgive for not protecting you especially in the case of family forgive them for not protecting you and anything else that you can articulate about that situation forgive them for anything release I release them I release them from any judgments I've made and I run and I release them from the consequences that I had in mind for them or anything like that. And bless them. If they're not alive, then it's helpful for, to kind of imagine them in heavenly places. Ask God to forgive them. Now go back to the memory and ask Jesus to show you where he is again and just notice any of the differences. And Jesus, what are you doing now? What are you saying to me here now? So I went from rejected to accepted in my example that I gave earlier. What have you exchanged? What do you have now? You're going to want to keep that close to your heart. I bless you today. Today might be a big new day, especially if it is the first time you used a prophetic act like this and got pulled into a real encounter with the living God in his heaven on earth. This determination may reveal how the same God has been encountering you for many years and will eventually reveal how God is really everywhere and in everything. The good news, he is for you and not against you. He's hidden there for you and not from you. Seek him and find him. Seek like a king before you share as his priest. What you begin to find and uncover will cross the boundary of word only and enter into your own truth. You'll begin to live there. We pray blessing on you. May you be prosperous today from the inside of your spirit, through your soul, and then out into every circumstance of your day. May joy, hope, and peace overflow from within you abundantly. God is not short on encounters, my friend. I pray that the supply of heaven fill your life with infinite wealth. 
that overwhelms and overcomes every deficit of this world around you and others here in this world. In Jesus' name. Come and visit us online at AbundantEncounters.com where you can find out more about our cause. We want everyone to have an encounter with God today. And on that website, you can find out ways to help yourself, help your friends. There's counseling, coaching, and articles available that will help you to embrace the lifestyle of encountering God. AbundantEncounters.com The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.